0: Welcome to Taking the Hot Seat with Abigail. I'm your host, Abigail, and thank you for joining me today. On today's podcast, we will discuss Afrobeat, its history, and its future. But before you get into that, I have two things. So number one, I just wanted to say a big thank you to all of you that listen. Um, It's the 10th episode, which is, it may not be a big milestone for the people, but for me it's really big. Being consistent has been something I told myself I wanted to do with this podcast, and I've done that, and I'm happy about that. And so I thought, you know what, for the 10th episode, let's do something fun, let's do something interesting, and let's do something that has to do with current, but also like a bit educative. I like that with this podcast, I'm able to do fun things, but also try to educate myself in the process, but also my audience. So big thank you to all of you. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, But before we get into the history and understanding how Afrobeat came to be, uh, I have a little segment. So stay tuned. gritty and i give y'all a history lesson i want to do a segment called afrobeat hall of fame so disclaimer guys this is just a beginning list um there's so many other artists and um people who've made a huge impact in this um genre and i want to include them and i will in the future because i'm definitely bringing this segment back guys these segments i'm making are more so so i can have things to Pull on and grab on and come back to in the future because this is not stopping anytime soon at all. But this is what I have for today's list. So number one would be Fela Kuti, um, who I will talk a bit about more in this pod, in the podcast content part, but his musical geniusness is the reason why he is credited as the father of Afrobeat. Um, Afrobeat and Afrobeats are two different, um, they're, they're, they're separate, but they're, they're similar, and I will get more into that later. So you'll realize that I I use Afrobeat and Afrobeats. I'll try to emphasize so that my T's and T's aren't meshed together. Because sometimes they are. And the African in me forgets to emphasize on the S or the I T. Don't, I don't know. The, I don't know if it's African in me or American in me. I don't know. Both? I, I Don't even ask me. But I'll get into that later. So um, back to Fela Kuti. It should be noted that somehow he lost the race to become inducted. Into uh, the, the rock, um, rock and roll Hall of Fame in 2021, which sucks because this man has a huge. He's made a huge impact. He's the reason why we are able to listen to Afro beats today, and a lot of African genres stem from him and his um, his ability to morph and mesh a bunch of genres together. So, I I was a bit sad to find that out, but I'm sure that it'll happen because, you know, when Janet Jackson wasn't given her flowers and wasn't inducted into the hall of fame people made noise because how how did she not make it in so how did Kuti not make it in i don't know i don't know who's voting i don't know i don't even know how that works but maybe that's something i'll get into another time um but he'll, he'll, i think he will because he's a legend and you'll see that later he will forever be a legend yeah so next up is sunny ade um he's notable f- for his emphasis on exploring melodies having simple vocals and vocal themes but having clear tunes um he was heavily influenced by fellow Kuti, which was seen in his use of guitar riffs and solos and usage of tenor guitar so he's like he's a guitar man you know and i love a good guitar i play acoustic guitar and i love it i love guitar parts i love guitar and african music and not just afrobeat but like other other african genres there's so many african genres and i feel like you know it's annoying these african genres all get morphed into one afrobeat and every time Burna boy's um interviewed about afrobeats or african music in general he tries to explain this to audiences but he's not being listened to afrobeats is there's so many songs that are put into that category that are that are not Afrobeat, and that's not to to make the songs less than or anything like that but i think it's time we start recognizing that there are different genres and these genres should be seen according to what they are um also, back to Sonia Day. I'm going to get off topic a lot. I think you guys already know this about me. But um, he's known as the king of juju music, and rightfully so. He revolutionized re- revolutionized juju music by increasing the use of the guitars, adding even more drums, and having quite the live performances. Um, so he's one of those people that took live performances very seriously. He he, had, he he incorporated dance. It was essential and crucial for his live performances. And he he moves to the bit of the drum with no apology. He was very much... He'd get up and he'd get you moving. He would move too, and I, um, I love that guitars and dancing. Like, oh, uh, what, what what more could you want? You know? So yeah. And then we have a female. Of course, I could not 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 talk about African music, uh, Afrobeat, and not talk about a female artist. Um, so Asa deserves her flowers. Uh, She has heavily been ridiculed in the beginning of her career because of her sound, her looks, and her style. This is because she is what you'd call an an alternative artist. And in the past, you know, alternative artists are the weird ones of the musical industry. She just wanted to make her own fresh take on Afrobeats and make a hybrid of genres that are Afrocentric while, you know, they have a whole lot of percussion um she inspires me as a songwriter because she's she's very courageous um she has tag, uh, tackled some very hard themes like immigration which she you knows some people's like that's not a hard theme like yes it is being an immigrant being different being foreign and being able to put that in your music and in a way that's relatable to others she did that well so she is actually she was I I, I am I remembering things wrong but I believe that she was born in France and she lived there but she um grew up with her Nigerian parents and so in a way I'm similar but I didn't grow up in France I grew up in the U.S. but I was born in Kenya and I have very much Kenyan parents and so that Kenyan that Kenyaness is in me because of my household and the way I've been raised and so I do like feel like an outsider sometimes because at home I'm Kenyan I step out of the house I'm american or sometimes just American, and I've learned how to morph and, and switch and, and tap into different, I would say, sides of me, based on who I'm around and, and where I am. And so, yeah, she, t- she talks a little bit about that, and uh, she talks about some other things that are a bit hard, like domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, and that's not something I would say is talked about much in music, but... The fact that she does it and she does it in a way that's, you know, as, as a person who's been through it, you are able to relate and, and, and able to heal from it and, and not hurt more. Because sometimes the danger of talking about these certain issues is that sometimes those songs may not even help the healing process. But the fact that there's an artist out there who's able to um, write about it and, and give their audience that little hope of, you know what, I've been through it too. But there's, there's light at the end of the road. So that's beautiful. That's empowering as a woman and as an artist, and she inspires me. Um, she's in control of her narrative and a fearless, fearless artist. And I am for sure going to bring the segment back. This was fun and just the beginning of the Afrobeat slash Afrobeats Hall of Fame. Let's get into it. I hope you have your notes. I ha- I hope you have your book open. Where- where's your pencil? Huh? You need a second? Press pause. Get your pen. Now I'm playing, guys. It's it's. I'm not taking this. I, or am I? I don't know. You'll have to figure it out on your own. But um, I'm here to tell you a little about the history of Afrobeats and then try to tie it back to where we're at today. So the musical genre Afrobeat, with a T, can be traced back to the 1960s and 70s as a blend of traditional... Yoruba music, jazz, high life, fuji, and funk. So these are all very uh, different, distinct genres. Um, A lot of them are more, you know, African. And then jazz is, well, you know, jazz is the South in in the U.S. So Afrobeat was um, invented by Fela Kutsi, as I have touched previously on. Kutsi sang over his tracks in English and Yoruba, which we still see to this day. But highlife plays a huge role in Afrobeat. Um, it has its own history as well, which I I'm thinking of touching in another video. Highlife is it's 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 still very much there to today, and even BBC made a, a documentary on it. BBC has made a documentary on Afrobeat, and it's also made a documentary on Amapiano Piano, and those are great episodes. But I can I, I will talk about these other genres later but um high life began in ghana in early 1920s so mr kuchi's music was inspired by the black panther movement uh with lyrics that were infused in social and political critique as well as uh nigerian proverbs um during the post-colonial african politics so you know he saw the black panther movement and he was like you know what let me let me speak out for my country through the usage of music. And we've seen that many times in the history of um, when countries are going through very, very important, very sad periods in their history. Uh, we see that with Billie Holiday and a lot of other very famous African-American singers during a time of, you know, major activism going on. So Mr. Kuti's music is, you know, today we we listen to a lot of Afrobeats, like slash Afrobeats, and, and we're bopping and we're talking about love and, and heartbreak and stuff like that. But this this man began with talking about the politics of that time and giving his people a voice. Um, and another interesting thing I read, I didn't even write this down and I should have, so embarrassing myself. But his mom is credited as being one of like the first leading um, female activists during, in, in Nigeria during this time. And so it's interesting how his mom was an activist and, you know, doing her own thing. And he comes in and uses his music to, to pass on that legacy. So I thought that was really cool. So um, he grew up with African rhythms and folk songs that he went to England. And then he went to England and discovered jazz. So then he returned to Nigeria and began playing High Life. But his mother um, challenged him to try and find his own style of music his mom could see and sense that, you know, my son's, my son's got talent, but you know what, I don't, I think he can, he can do his own thing, and so he did, he did, he played, he was, dude was literally a genius, guys, he played trumpet, saxophone, keyboard, guitar, and drums, and then he studied music at the Trinity Laban Conservatoire, probably said that wrong, of music and dance in London, uh, and then he fused American blues, jazz, and a whole lot of fun with traditional Yoruba music. And that is how Afrobeat became to be. It took him learning a lot of instruments. It took him experimenting. It took him learning music in another country and we're able to have what we have today. So not not only is he important, his, um, his drummer, Tony Allen, went on to expand the Afrobeat sound by incorporating even more genres. These genres included hip-hop, electronica, and dub, which is a um it's a sub-style, but it's like it's it's an ele- it's an electronic musical style that stems from reggae and reggae influenced genres. And so Afrobeat, and you can hear it. In Afrobeat, you can hear a little bit of reggae, you can hear a little bit of um hip-hop, but you can also hear a little bit of um traditional African genres. You know, Afrobeat is it's oh my goodness it's so it's just so interesting how um they were able to take all these genres from all over the world but you know it's interesting to me a lot of these genres that they took from all over the world were genres that stemmed from black people hip-hop black jazz black reggae black electronica I actually do not know, and that's something I want to look into. It's not something I've really studied. But I think electronica and, no, house music is more of the one that's associated with gay people. Um, that one I want to look into. I'm, I think I'm make this like, a thing. Looking into the history of different types of mu- uh, music genres, because that's super cool to me. So, Alan and, and Mr. Kuti led the bedrock. They laid it. They, they, they made the bedrock for the Afrobeat genre. Um, and Afro-funk. So, now that we know that um, Kuti and Allen are the godfathers of Afrobeat, we gotta fast forward to the 2000 2010s. So these are very crucial periods during, um, in, in the in, in the Afrobeat history. So, there's a huge Afrobeat wave now, but, you know, now we have parents. We have Godfathers of Afrobeat, Beek, Allen. Now we have parents of of it. I'm calling them parents. I'm going to make it a thing. It's going to become a thing. Um, And I would say some of these parents, not all of them. There could be a couple that I have left out. um, Would be the likes of WizKid, Davido. Who's releasing an album on the 31st? Wait, this episode might... I'm making these episodes early, so you're probably gonna get this in April, but I might do a review of his album. I'm excited. Um, so the parents of this would be WizKid, Debbie Doe, Burna Boy, and Tiwa Savage. And there's so many more of their parents that I haven't mentioned. But the reason why I've included these names is because they have been pushing this musical movement into international waters season into foreign lands. Am I being dramatic? Absolutely, or not? Um, so their hard work and their belief has paid off, and they have furthered and expanded their listeners. And push this genre musically. So they've pushed where it's heard and they've also pushed the boundaries of this genre. And now we're seeing the children, the younger artists of this genre, like Fireboy DML, Iris Star, Rema, Tems, CK, Fave, Jackie, LoJ. j i you know another parent I should have named? I would say Mr. Easy. And then Young John, I say he's in the middle. Also Thames they would say is in the middle too, because no, Thames, I don't want to call her a child because I feel like I had a child. She, uh. Thames is, let's just say Thames is a notable name. We'll say that because, but she, I, I would say, yeah, she's one of the more younger artists that falls into the new, the new wave of Afrobeats. Afrobeats. Okay, so these artists have pushed the boundaries and subgenres of Afrobeat and Afrobeats and the African musical sound. So now that I've touched on the history of Afrobeat and tied it to the current Afrobeats, some of you keen listeners might have realized that there are some points where I used Afrobeat and others where I used Afrobeats, and here's why. Afrobeat and Afrobeats are two separate entities. Afrobeat is unique for its rhythms and melodies, while Afrobeats is more multilingual with soul, funk, disco, hip-hop, pop, dancehall, reggae, and a whole bunch of other stuff in it so afrobeat was popularized in recent decades because of artists like Burna boy Wizkid, Davido, devido mr easy tima savage those type of people and this music is the one that we talked about earlier It was started in the 1960s afrobeats with an s is a popular music developed in nigeria ghana and the uk in 2000s and 2010s so afrobeats is the successor of afrobeat and since it you know, it's, it's, it takes a more contemporary approach to the Afrobeat genre. But to be fair, in most recent years, the lines have been blurred. And to be very honest, when you, it feels like um, Afrobeat and Afrobeats are the same. But there's a danger that comes with that. And here's why. Almost every African artist is grouped under the Afrobeats genre. And that is scary. We've seen that happen in rap and other historically Black genres. The reason why this is scary is because when it comes to award ceremonies such as the Grammys, certain artists are put in color in categories based on their color, ethnicity, and heritage background instead of the actual genre itself, which to me is stupid. Just very, 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 very stupid. Plain, stupid, simple. Okay? We've seen this happen with Tyler the Black... The the Black Creator. Oh my god. Tyler the Creator. <laughs> with his album nomination and Grammy um, award for... Igor, he was placed in um, a category that, to him, didn't make sense. And when you hear him talk about it, it honestly didn't make sense why he was put in that category. Because, no. it's No. Um, if the public and the Grammys would educate themselves about African musical genres, and take the time to create different categories, such as Afrobeat, Afrobeats, I'm a Piano, High Life, Afropop, Bongo... Flava. There's like, there's literally so many and and they're all very popular too. So there's no way around it. And you know what also makes me mad is when they just say like world act. World act? World act, wor- world is not, world is not, is not a genre. Okay, it is a genre, but like you can't put them in a genre. It doesn't make sense. You know, we, I, I would say Africans have worked very hard and they've, they've shown that they can get an audience, so they should be able to get their own category. Period, point blank. There's too many artists for only one to be awarded for the whole damn continent. One. And they're putting categories that don't make sense. Make categories for these genres because they're becoming popular enough and gaining an audience enough and attraction enough that they should be given those awards. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I feel. That's how I see it. You know, like being recognized is one thing, but being recognized correctly and respectfully is literally the epitome of recognition. Now, on Caught Red Handed, we will be discussing headlining buzz and Twitter's thoughts on it. Who's been caught red handed this week? It's none other than Oboe himself, Mr. Davido. So, he released his recent um, album, Timeless, on March 31st, 2023, and he's been tr- the trending topic in the music world, more specifically the African music world, which definitely goes in theme with this, because I, I actually came up with this idea a while ago, and so, I recorded, like, I came up with this idea a while ago, and it's it falls in the week after he released his album, I think that's pretty, pretty cool. Um. So, for the safety of Twitter users, I will not use their real names, but I'm definitely gonna read their tweets. So one user said Davido's timeless album got replay value. The songs keep sounding sweeter day by day. Honestly, I have to say, I agree. Also my favorite feature on this album was his song Kante with none other than Fave. Fave is one of my favorite upcoming um, African artists. Um, the, the tone in her voice and I love her wordplay, I love her songwriting. I also love her as a person. Like, I follow her on Instagram and I just, she's, I just think she's a funny person. She can also rap too, and I would love to see her put that in her music. She hasn't yet, but I, I have a feeling that she's going to. You know, she's only had an EP out and a couple songs, and so I am I think she's working on her debut album and I hope to see some rap in there. But yeah, Davido's music, the, the songs have been really good. Um, Unavailable, you know, that one's been a big one on t- TikTok, you know the dance challenge itself has been pretty big so far no competition that one's a good song his song with um why am i forgetting <laughs> the name of the song angelique oh my goodness why am i forgetting with- okay anyways he he did a song with angelique kidro and she's like the queen the the old like she's the mother when it comes, the ultimate grandmother, I would say almost, of of African music, and she's such an icon and one of the best to ever come out of Africa, and so that was really nice to see. I love to see that it sounded more, um, a lot more, I don't, cultural, but like in a rural way, like more, more of what like our parents and our grandparents would listen to, but I, I vibe with that kind of African music, and I, for those who, um, you know, I've grown up in an African home, you know what I mean? That that guitar and that, theres I don't know how to describe it, but there's a sweetness to it when you hear it. You know, because I listen to songs that my grandma used to listen to as a kid, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this sounds, like, I don't know how to describe it. But there's the, the way the guitar mo- is played, it's like the d- guitar itself is dancing, or maybe it's just the nerd in me, the music nerd in me that's like loves it. But I think one of my favorite things about um, Davido's album was hearing Afrobeats and Emma Piano collide. But they didn't overpower each other. They collided in a beautiful way that complemented each genre. And seeing it come together was beautiful. Also, I'm going to do an Emma Piano episode. So stay tuned for that, guys. I think it's in two weeks. I don't know. Um, so yeah. Also, chart data, which is like... You know, they they tweet about um, different stats about different artists in their albums. Um, They said Davido's Timeless became the first African album in history to reach number one on U.S. iTunes. And Davido's made many other big um, accomplishments with this album, and it's only been one week. Crazy. Um, This goes to show how far African music has traveled and the impact it's made. And, you know, from here, Africans are only going up. So... That, that's so, I, I, that's so cool. We've really, we've gotten a, a, a little view on how, how, you know, African music has, Afrobeat itself has evolved. And, and now here we are celebrating another win for us and so many more wins to come. I'm proud of you you did it you made it to the shout out of the week um so someone i wanted to give a shout out to is none other than the princess of african music right now um ira star which actually really keeps with the trend of today i actually didn't do this on purpose because i plan ahead because i get really excited about writing the scripts for these and i've had her on this list <laughs> on the, like the, the list of people to go through um so it's i think it's coincidence it's, it's gotta be right so um i've already mentioned her a couple times in this episode and in previous episodes which i've how many times have i mentioned her i don't know but i know for sure i mentioned her in episode four with tarisha make sure to go listen to that um if you haven't or if you just want to listen again because i wouldn't blame you you know so i was writing songs at the age of 10 with her brother who plays a part in her music to this day And um, he produces and he he writes songs as well with Ira and without. Um, You should check him out. Um, So their mother was very supportive of Ira's musical ambitions and encouraged her to pursue a singing career as long as she completed her education. There's a video that went a little viral of her talking about how she finished high school early um, because she took an exam and then she went to uni early as well. She also talked about her experience in uni and being made fun of. Which to me was shocking. I was like, why would anyone make fun of her? That's crazy. So anyway, fast forward to the age of 18. She entered uni and studied for three years and received a bachelor's degree in international relations and political science. Sis is educated. You, you cannot mess with her. She's literally... Guys, that's crazy. At the age of 18, she was done? I'm, I'm turning 18 in a couple months and I'm, I'm not even done with high school. I already want to be... I want to be done. I just... I don't even want to go to... Uh, I want to think about it so in 2018 ira signed with quove probably saying this wrong quove models a modeling agency based in lagos 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 Lagos. probably saying that wrong too um it was not until 2019 though that ira started posting covers online she chose her stage name because in her world it means um woke and eye-opening and that's what she stands for um so her big break came in December of 2019 when she uploaded an original song called Damage on Instagram, which found its way to none other than the man himself, Don Jazzy, okay? Which led her to her first recording contract with Maven Records. Guys, like, one of my dreams, and I've actually written this in my um, journal, because I'm, I'm a goal person and I'm a journaler and maybe this is naive, but, like, it'd be so cool to be signed to Maven, that, you know, what's really cool about them is how they take young talent, and they're able to, um, give these kids an audience, not kids, I can't call them kids, they're older than me, god, that's so embarrassing, (laughs) give these, um, um, young artists, there it is, young artists, audience, and, give them the tools and but then also let them have a say in there and what they want to do and you can hear these artists talk about it like they they they're in control but they also have the resources and they have the um what's it called the backing they have the support it's pretty cool i i would love to be signed to maven if anyone from maven ever listens to this please sign me please Anyways, so in 2020, Ira released her self debut Extended Play EP, which had elements of R&B, neo-soul, apple pop, percussion, and she was involved in the songwriting of all her songs and even wrote one record of her on her own, guys. Ah, love that for her. Love to see, you know, love to see it. Love to to hear about it, love to see it. So this EP became the number one um, album in Nigeria, iTunes, and Apple Music. Um, It racked up over 15 million streams across Spotify, YouTube, and other streaming platforms. I'm sure it's way more than that right now. And in no time, Ira released her debut album titled 19 and Dangerous in August of 2021. Some of the best songs on this project were Bloody Samaritan and "Fashion Killa." Bloody Samaritan did so well that Ira got the opportunity to do a remix of this song with none other than Destiny's Child, Kelly Rowland. Additionally, Ira brought back the song Damage, which, you know, got to John Jazzy, that viral one, and she retitled it as Toxic, which was on her debut album. Um, other songs that have sparked attention towards Ira are Rush, "Sability," and her recent collab with producer, legend, Young John, and the queen of Afrobeats right now, Tiwa, in the song Stamina. Stamina, Stamina. Have you heard it? You should listen to it. It's great. Um... So, there's no stopping Ira. She is full of ambition, hard work, and power. She's a huge inspiration to me as a young woman. One, because she's educated. That's, that's, if that doesn't speak for itself, that's pretty, that's inspirational. She, she, went, she went to uni at a young age, and, you know, she was younger than everybody. But she still did it. Um, and I'm, I'm very proud of her. And then, also, be, her as an artist... I love that she's very involved in her songwriting process. She's a very creative person. She's very honest and we need more of that. Also, um, recently in a video, she said she would love to get more in production and I would love to see that for her because there's no stopping Ira. There's literally no stopping Ira. She's gonna be a global household name and rightfully so. So check out her socials and her music in the description box and I promise you will not. Be disappointed. That's a wrap on taking the hot seat with Abigail. I'm your host, Abigail. And, you know, just another thank you. Thank you for making it to episode 10 with me. So we'll do something fun again on episode 20. Um, Stay tuned for more conversations with me.